0: maybe to start, I'm going to offer a prayer to begin with tonight. Let us pray as you're looking for 1160. Gracious God, stir up your holy power this night and come. Send your spirit into our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our ears that we might hear a word for us tonight anew and that we too might then live out that which we believe. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, So just as a reminder, we are trolling through Luther's small catechism, and uh, we have arrived now at the middle section, uh, I would argue at the heart of Luther's uh, own confession of faith. Uh, And if you think of uh, there being sort of three chief parts with two additional things added on to the end, you've got the Ten Commandments, the Creed, the Lord's Prayer, and then sacraments and some other stuff uh, at the end. Um, This is the hinge on which all of this sort of uh, turns for Luther and for us. Uh, And just a a couple of reminders as we wade into that, some things that are really, really, have been super helpful for me. I will say that having the chance to go back and uh, study Luther's small catechism again and to be reading more about it, uh, this is a tremendously helpful little document uh, for all sorts of reasons, and I've sort of refallen in love with it. I was actually have been reflecting that I never did this in Confirmation. I never got this small catechism in Confirmation, believe it or not. It had sort of fallen out of fashion, I think, for a whole bunch of different reasons. We never talked about it. And I think one of the most important things, and I've talked about this already before, is that... Um, What changed for me in the way I've read it lately is that this is so clearly written by Luther the father for his kids. Uh, And in Luther's what I call confessions, not explanations, especially in the creed, um, there are lots of things that I've read that have indicated that this is sort of like overhearing Luther's very most intimate confession of his own faith. And that just changes the tone of it all for me um, especially that this is really glimpsing what it's like for Luther to be a father and have a confession that he is giving for the sake of his children. Uh, And it's deeply intimate. This really changes the way I look at it. And so I hope you hear it sort of in that sort of tone and voice. The other thing to think about is we've talked about this in terms of Luther and his sort of spiritual health care, so to speak. Uh, If the Ten Commandments were the diagnosis, uh, the creed is the prescription and the Lord's Prayer and everything that follows is how then we fulfill or get the medicine, so to speak. Uh, so tonight what we're talking about in Luther's sort of thinking about this in spiritual health care is his diagnosis. Um, and I also want this to be uh, conversational again. So I'm just giving you a little warm-up. So make sure that you do have that 1160 at your disposal. We're going to talk about the creed. Now here's some uh, sort of preemptive things to get you to think about this. I, in some ways I think creeds have fallen out of favor. Um, there are some churches that don't even do the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed or the Athanasian. They don't do any creeds at all for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, sometimes they will say they're too divisive, meaning that they, you know, sort of put you in or out. Some have said uh, they're too exclusivist. Um, we've even used some different creeds here before. In other words, they make some exclusive claims about God, and, it, and some people feel that it cuts others, uh, cuts some people out. And then other people have said, well, I don't like being forced into saying things that I don't believe. Uh, And in the creed in particular, often people will get hung up on the virgin birth. It's a pretty normal, modern thing that people trip over and say, well, I don't like that or I don't believe that. So why do I have to say that? So as we sort of wade into talking about the creed a little bit, how do you feel about the creed? What do you think? What is it? Um, How do you feel about it? do you feel about what it says? What do you think about when you say it on Sunday morning? Give me some feedback, what you think about the creed, or how it just grabs you uh, in general.
1: Well, I think it's extremely important for me to separate my belief about God and my faith in
0: God. Oh, separate, say that one more time. Boy, that was good.
1: Separate my beliefs about God, the way God operates. My faith in God so I have no doubt that a lot of my beliefs are screwed up they're wrong and, but that doesn't matter it does not affect my relationship with God it does not control my faith in God and the Creed for me is uh, kind of in the it's more in the belief category than in the
0: faith category and do you want do you want to stand up and preach tonight because that's really that was really good. <laughs> I think we take that. So he separates now. I can't now do it. Do it one more time into belief and faith. And belief, you're, you might have screwed up beliefs yeah, about God, but it doesn't they're, affect they're your relationship. They're subject to change. Yeah. Ah.
1: I mean, it was a time when I believed that the earth was five thousand years old. Ah. Well, that's gone.
0: That's gone. Okay. okay.
1: And, and so there's a bunch of those things. Well, you know the old story about the guys talking about going walking across a, a wire across Niagara Falls one guy says, I can do that. And the other guy says, well, oh, I don't know whether you can or not. Well, do you think I can do it? He says, well, yeah, I believe you could do that. He said, okay, get on my back. I'll carry you over. He said, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> that's, 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 you know, the beliefs are subject to low
0: change, low. but, the faith, but the faith part is, is made consistent. Yeah. I like that. That's really good. Other thoughts? Yeah, at Elise. okay it 's like your battle cry it 's like your people it 's your tribe, sort of like skull Vikings or something like i 'm sorry that was yeah, yeah, this is who your people are, right this is um, it 's sort of identifying who you are and who your people are and what you believe together. Is that kind of what you meant yeah that 's good. Other thoughts about what the creed is or how it grabs you or oh go ahead, sorry uh,
2: I, I used to think, and it was part of what I, the way I was taught way back when, was, you know, this is, um, these are the central things that we all hold together, it's that that tribal thing, you know, uh, um, this is what defines Christian faith from other things, it was, you know, and, it, and there's lots of segments of Christian faith, but all of the ones are that, that take this are, at least have this much in common. Um, I've come to view it more as uh, uh, not a statement of doctrine or sets of things that you have to adhere to to be part of the group. This is our story. It's mm. a summary of our story, uh, of, of the story of faith uh, um, and the story about God. So mm. I like it as a summary of uh, this is our this is our story, and we take different things from it all the time. Mm. And different people take different things from the story all the time. But this is our story.
0: Mm. I like that. There's um, uh, one of the things that I read in uh, one of the little uh, by heart uh, companions to the reading sort of explains it sort of that way. It calls it a demiglaze, so to speak, right? Which is sort of when you boil something down to something really intense, right? But you would never just like ladle it up, actually. It has a companion piece, right? It's a... a, um, Condensation, so to speak, of the biblical story, and explains it in that way. Right? Um, yeah, that's good. Um, others? Maybe I don't like, like, not like the creed. Like, you get there and you're like, mm, uh, I don't know. Okay, good. All right. Um, so let's do this. Um, I w- uh, well, I'm just curious. I mean, some people do have visceral reactions to it, right? Um, and um, so I was just curious if anybody did. Let's do this. If you would, please, go grab—we're going to—I feel remiss that we haven't read mu- as much of the small catechism as we should have, so uh, find in um, your hymnal or whatever uh, you have available to you, uh, and I should also say that Luther breaks down the creed into three, ch- three parts— um, this was one of the mysteries to me actually when I started hearing Lutherans actually after seminary is they would talk about, well, that's in the second article. I was like, the second article of what? Like the newspaper? I, because I had never done this before, so that vernacular seemed weird to me, right? Um, what that means is the second article of the creed. Luther breaks the creed down into three articles. The one about God the creator, the second about Jesus, and the third about the Holy Spirit. Um, that was news to me. <laughs> Um, there are other people in uh, the in history of Christianity that have broken down the creed into different, uh, more parts than that. Um, early on, it was actually, early on, Luther didn't buy this at all. There was an, a story that it was actually written in 12 parts, and each of the disciples got a part. Uh, Luther says that's completely bunk and goes with the more traditional three. But anyway, uh, three articles of the creed. Um, strangely, we're going to start with the end. We're going to start with the third article. Um, And Timothy Wangert, who's been one of my influential persons that I've read while I've been doing this, thinks that this is really the core and most important part of Luther's explanation of the creed. Um, so do I have somebody that is willing to read this uh, nice and loud um, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you uh, like I've done lots with Wednesday Bible studies to get what what grabs you what catches your attention what caught you uh, in hearing Luther's confession so I want you to read the creed the third article of the creed and the low confession itself Nathan you want to do that go for it nice and loud You can be louder. I know you can. I've heard you. Round of applause. Good job. Nice job. What grabbed you, uh, especially in Luther's confession? What caught your attention? Can't do it alone. Naomi. Say that again? Can't Can't do what alone? Why did that strike you? Comforting to know that God is helping you. Oh, that's great. Why did it strike you, Dave? Very similar. Similar. We can't do it by ourselves, but God loves us so much that he's going to send the Spirit to us to help us. To help us, yeah. Uh, did, it, did this grab anybody else? There's another, um, has anybody ever asked, um, I I think maybe this isn't quite as prevalent as, maybe it's, I don't know, but has anybody ever come up to you and said, have you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? What did you say back? Scott? Scott? Yeah, and, would you, and you, when you explain that to your friends, uh, what's their reaction? They don't say anything. They don't say anything. They're like, that <laughs> Lutheran, Scott, he's a weirdo. It's the same thing when people ask you if you're born again. Yeah, if you're born again. And, and it's like,
1: I say no, but I am on a faith journey
0: with Jesus Christ. Ah. And then it goes quiet. And then it goes quiet. I think a simple way is to say, no, he chose me. No, God chose me. You're also good Lutherans. It's good. I'm sorry, Scott. What are you? Born again every day. Luther's, yeah, that's so so good, right? Luther says daily remember your baptism and it's even in here, right? Daily forgive sins, mine, and all those. and So I, I think this is um, a soup. Luther felt like this. You're also good in Lutheran, right? Um, This actually is the thing uh, that was very different in Luther's day. Uh, It would have, uh, to say the way we sort of flatly say your salvation was based on your merit uh, in the Catholic Church isn't quite true, Um, but this was a very different understanding. And Luther uh, even relegates sort of, a lot of times people will say, um, well, can't you accept it or choose it? And Luther would say no, actually, right? Right. Um, the story that I thought about as I was um, doing some more reading this afternoon, I admit I was over at Amy's Cupcake Shop, which where I am from time to time. And um, th- this was so funny that it happened this way, because as I was reading this and thinking about this, there's, a, there's somebody new that works there, and it's sad that I know that it's somebody new that works there, but it's somebody new that works there. And her name is Kaylee, and Amy of Amy's Cupcakes has a daughter named Kaylee. And somebody called on the phone and said, is Kaylee there? And the person who was answering the phone's name, who's new, is Kaylee, and said, um, but, it, but knowing that Amy's daughter was Kaylee, and was super skeptical, right? Like, um, hang on a second, right? And then went and got Amy, and there was this whole sort of strange interchange, and Kaylee, the new person, I'm going to tell this badly, handed the phone to Amy, who then went through this whole thing about, who is this? Why are you calling? What, what is this? In, who are you? Right? So here's the funniest thing. So Amy finally works through this and puts the phone like this and goes to the new person, Kaylee, it's not for the daughter, it's for her. It's Matt. It's the guy who works at um, Herberts and Gerberts. He wants to ask you out. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) And so she just gets all red in the face, right? Um, And goes... Oh, right, and then takes the phone and wanders off into the back. And I I have no idea if she decided to go out with the guy or not. But but, um, so the the reason that it caught my attention is that um, a couple of different ways that people explain this, right, Um, for Luther, it's highly experiential what happens to you when God suddenly looks at you and says, I love you. It's sort of like you blush. You didn't choose that reaction, right? Right. It just happened to you. It's sort of like what happened to Kaylee today. Somebody who she met once because she had on her Amy's Cupcake you know, shop shirt when she went over to go have lunch and her name tag was on there, called <laughs> to ask her out. Um, it's that sort of startling and surprise um, that we don't actually... It, it happens to you, right? So you get that. So. I think it would be handy in this day and age when somebody says, have you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? You could just whip out your um, small catechism and say, well, actually, no, I believe that by my own strength or understanding, I cannot believe in my Lord or come to him. But instead, the Holy Spirit has called me like he called Kaylee at the store the other day. And um, so it's sort of like that. Um, I think that's... Uh, super important, and it is really the hinge upon which Lutheran grace uh, is built. Okay, So strangely, um, it, this is the lens through then which Luther views the whole rest of the creed. Even though he doesn't explicitly say this in this, he does say it elsewhere, That it's the, that in fact, Luther's experience of God goes backwards. We usually say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but in Luther's understanding, it actually goes backwards. It's the Holy Spirit that reveals Jesus, the Son, who then reveals what the heart of God actually looks like. Um, so Luther is experiential sort of backwards in this way. Um, does that make sense? You get that already. Great, third article. Let's go to, let's go to article number one because I think it's my favorite. So somebody want to read uh, the uh, First part of the creed there, article number one, and then Luther's confession. Round of applause. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. What What grabbed you in here? What caught your attention? Covers everything. Covers everything. What do you mean by that? I mean every part of your life. God is there for you. Every part of your life. Yeah. From clothing to the everything. everything. How powerful God is, yeah. What else grabbed you? Anything else grab you about this one?
3: Good last, second last line. That he God does all of this for us, and all He's asking is that we thank Him and praise
0: Him. Mm-hmm. Give thanks. Be grateful. What way? Challenging for who? For you or for them? I have been blessed with many wonderful things. And if there was a time where I
3: felt maybe loved ones have lost their mental faculties, or eyes and ears, or other things like that, and I, I,
0: I might wonder where is God in the protection of those things? Yep. Never mind and the rest of it, all the wonderful things that are also given, right? right. right. Especially for those who might not have them. Right, So in some ways, that's sort of strange, right? Because we sometimes we even experience our blessing as sort of not blessing in that regards, right? Um, one of the things that's handy to know, I think, for this one uh, is that it's not that Luther didn't know suffering and didn't know pain and um, didn't know heartache. Um, Luther, um, I don't remember how many kids and Luther and Katie have, do you remember? It's a lot. Um, many and they didn't all live and they didn't all live in fact two of them died quite young one of them dies in childbirth um, or uh, when as a child as a baby and luther is just torn apart um, some of his most intimate and um, i would say beautifully faithful writings are about the death of his children he also has a teenager who gets sick and dies um, and it just breaks luther's heart Um, And he talks about um, entrusting his daughter to God's care. Um, And so he certainly knows heartache. Um, So one of the things that's helpful for me in thinking about this is that this is actually like Luther's sort of like gratitudes, right? Like if we sat down, and what's interesting about it is that um, Luther had all of these things, and he knows that not everybody in his day has these things. What's also interesting to know is, I think it's pretty clear that Luther knows he has these things not because he did anything, but actually because his wife, Katie, did most of this. If it wasn't for Katie, Luther probably would have died a million times over. I mean, he was that kind of absent-minded, always thinking about what was happening, and did not manage their property and estate. Katie did it all. And so when he's this list uh, is sort of all of the things that he knows he has, and I like to sort of think of it as him knowing he has it, not because of anything that he's done, but actually because of what Katie has done. Um, And in the large catechism, he actually goes on and talks about even more things. Luther is a little OCD, right? If we remember that he couldn't stop confessing because he felt like he couldn't get all of his sins out. After he realizes that God is loving him, he turns it around almost to the point where he can't stop his list. Like, Shirt and shoes and hat and tie and coat and uh, a shovel I mean, he can't stop, right? And there, the people who made them, right, and then the people who made them. and um, yeah, it's almost like he can't stop. He can stop himself, right? that sort of overwhelming sense of gratitude. There's another part of this that Luther also finds enormously terrifying. Um, because we so often like to be, and this is, I think, a sickness of ours all the time, we like to be independent. Luther says it's a little bit of a terrifying thought to think that God made you um, because of the abuse to which we abuse all our freedoms. Um, and Luther will say things almost in the, in the way that you did, Sarah, with an overabundance of things that we actually don't turn around and use them for our neighbor, but we often find ourselves being exceptionally selfish. So in some ways when Luther, uh, at this point, right, which is why we have to run all the way back to the third article, right, I believe I cannot by my own understanding or strength, Luther actually finds the idea that he was created and all that he has is a gift in some of the same way that you do is almost terrifying, right? Um, In the large catechism he says that, if, if we really truly believed this, we would be both terrified and humiliated with the way we treat what we actually have. Interesting, right? Um Anything Oh, go ahead. Yeah when you look at the part
3: that says God protection again? Oh, all danger and shield for the able. How do we take that into mind and have more in our work?
0: Yeah, you How do we take say that again? Say that. Yeah, that's why I said. Say can you say it again? I can't, and Luther doesn't either. Um, That is one of the strange things about the small catechism, is that Luther does not have uh, an explanation or or a theory of evil. He just simply confesses that this has been his experience, right? Even though we know that Luther had children that died and there were terrible things that happened, right? We also know that he was sick, and still this is his confession, right? Um, so Luther doesn't explain it. Um, I think there are some th- places, but Luther doesn't have like, um, I'm, I couldn't, I tried to figure this out a little bit today. I wasn't able to find any place where Luther has like some sort of theory of evil. For for Luther, everything is very confessional and very earthy, right? It's like, I'm thanking God that I have shoes. Um, so he, he it's not like he is pondering around like so many people in the Middle Ages and before him on what a theory of evil is. He He sort of leaves that I don't know. He's like, this is what God is doing for me. Protecting me, loving me, caring for me, giving me shoes, giving me clothes. Um, it's just very confessional. So it is a little... It, it, for us who often want an explanation of evil, Luther in the small catechism doesn't give us one. Unless somebody else knows something that I don't know.
2: Well, it, the only thing I'd say... It, Luther always talks about sin, death, and the devil together. Yeah. Okay? And he he takes the devil pretty seriously in a way yeah. that makes moderns uncomfortable. Yeah, you know, and so there's a part of that that he sort of recognizes that evil is a thing out there, and he sees it as a very active thing, being attacked uh, all the time, constantly. Yeah, and that and part of the way I unpack him a little bit about some of this stuff is if you feel like you're being attacked by the devil all the time. The fact that you're breathing is a gift. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's he's grateful because he feels constantly under attack. We don't really, I don't feel that anyway um, very much, though on days like the day of the Parkland thing, yeah, we can all feel pretty under attack by the way the world is. Uh, but he was much more present in that, and his... He wouldn't have had a philosopher's concept of evil at all. He'd have been a very lived concept of sin, death, and the devil are always there, and somebody is fighting them off for me, and that somebody is God. Yeah. And otherwise, I'd be done.
0: Yeah, that's kind good. Of where he comes to. Yeah, I think that's good. Let's do the last. This this might. Um, I don't know if this will help or not, but this will give us a little, um, another uh, taste of Luther not being particularly interested in theory but practicality. Let's read the second uh, article and uh, Luther's Confession. Somebody want to read that for me? Nice and loud. Anyone? Bueller? Go for it. How's that grab you? What grabbed you? Anybody know anything about the feudal system in the Middle Ages and who the lords were? So um, it's helpful to think of it this way, and Luther explains it this way. This is where Luther does not have this sort of, uh, if you know anything about atonement theory, Luther doesn't go there. Um, in fe- instead, he, uh, lots of people, he explains it this way, lots of people would have had the experience of actually being kidnapped in Luther's day Um, And Luther actually had some friends that were kidnapped. It's sort of like if you are a powerful, wealthy executive and you end up someplace in the world and somebody comes and nabs you and asks for money. This actually would have been something that people would have known about in Luther's day. And Luther explains it this way, that Jesus Christ is his Lord who has rescued him from sin, death, and the devil, not with gold, right, Uh, but by coming to get him through Jesus, that Luther was the one who was kidnapped and has been redeemed by his Lord, who has come to get him. Uh, so that's how Luther understands what Jesus has done. Uh, that Jesus has paid the ransom for you as somebody who was kidnapped by sin, death, and the devil. <laughs> and so then what Luther says is that's actually who my Lord is. We don't, we don't have lords, right? We like to think of ourselves as being free and independent. Um, we, also, we, won't get, we also like to think of ourselves as having sort of free will and reason. And Luther says those are good things. It's just that they don't choose God. God chooses you. And those things, that sort of reason and free will is to be employed for the sake of your neighbor and taking care of the world. But it's God that ransoms you, that comes and gets you as a kidnapped person and then becomes your Lord as a result of doing that. I like that, right? Because I think Lord and kingship are sort of distant from us, right? But if I think about it in terms of kidnapping, um, so that now I can live in that kingdom where the Lord is good and saves kidnapped people. I like that. Um, All right. Anything else about that that struck you? I just like that one. All right, that's probably enough for tonight. It's been 20 minutes. Uh, let's, uh, let's end with, um, why don't we read together, actually, as our ending. Let's read Luther's Confession of the Third Article. So everybody grab it, and that will be our close. Here we go. I believe that by my own understanding or strength, I cannot believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But instead, the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, made me holy, and kept me in the true faith, just as he calls, gathers, enlightens, and makes holy the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one common true faith. Daily in this Christian church, The Holy Spirit abundantly forgives all sins, mine and those of all believers. On the last day, the Holy Spirit will raise me and all the dead and will give to me and all believers in Christ eternal life. This is most certainly true. And uh, just as we do these uh, two hymns, uh, we're going to sing 460 first. And it's kind of an odd hymn. Some of it may be familiar as a communion hymn. It's a little bit of an odd tune. However, the reason I picked it is that um, this is somebody, who, the, the author of this hymn actually was somebody who was Lutheran. And without knowing it, uh, probably in part because they were steeped in Luther's understanding of the creed, the last line actually is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and it's reversed. Uh, and Timothy Wangert makes the argument that this guy sort of picked up on Luther's understanding that the Holy Spirit is what drives the whole thing and that's why it's the last line of the communion hymn which I thought was sort of interesting. So we'll sing 460 which is hard to sing and then we'll do two verses of Spirit of Gentleness.